G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you know, we do like to keep abreast of developments in the nation of Israel, recognizing the irrefutable miracle that Israel is as a nation that was dispersed around the world for almost two millennia, but is now reformed and flourishing just as the Bible prophets said it would. And a special focus today on a very important part of the biblical lands, and one that's arguably the most controversial. If you watch the news, you'll be familiar with what's known as the West Bank. That disputed territory just happens to be what we know from the Bible as Judea and Samaria. Sondra Osterbaris is director of the Christian Friends of Israel Community's Heartland in Israel. Sondra is a Jew, she's not a Christian, and she lives in Judea and Samaria, and that, of course, is commonly known as West Bank. Sondra, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you. It's great to be back. Sondra, you have opportunities to speak here in Australia and in no doubt other countries around the world. Uh, no doubt this is a hot topic of contention when people talk about West Bank because it's considered to be a disputed territory. Give us your impression about how the West Bank fits with Israel being the promised land. Well, anybody who knows anything of the Bible, about the Bible knows that Judea and Samaria, which are the big biblical names for the West Bank, uh, Judea and Samaria is really the heart of Israel. It's where everything happened. If you pay attention to the places mentioned in the Bible, if you notice, for example, the very first place where God promised the land to Abraham in Genesis 12, where he was standing at the Oak of Moreh near Shechem, which is smack in the heart of Samaria, uh, the first place that Abraham purchased property in the land of Israel, in Hebron, where he settled and where he buried his wife Sarah, well, that's smack in the middle of Judea. So anybody who says that Judea and Samaria is not part of Israel just doesn't know their history, and they do certainly don't know their Bible. From what I understand, there's a location called the Three Seas Lookout, and this was the place where Abraham was given the promise as he looked out over the land. And so we have this understanding of what is the promised land. You've no doubt been to that lookout many a time. I love being there. It's actually from that lookout you see across to the Oak of Moreh, which is where Abraham actually received the promise. But that same place is so amazing. In fact, it's my favorite place to take Christian visitors and to to teach them um, from really from the source what is the biblical ne- connection between uh, the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Because from that point, you see the Oak of Moreh, you see the city of Shechem down below, you see Mount Gerizim and Mount Abel, where the nation of Israel entered into a covenant with God for the first time in the land of Israel. You can see the Jordan Valley in the area. Uh, known in the Bible as the Plains of Moab, where the nation of Israel camped before crossing the Jordan and then after crossing the Jordan. You just see all that spread out before you. 
and, and you can really understand by seeing it that, that this is the heart of biblical Israel. So when people say this doesn't belong to the Jewish people, it's just ludicrous. Now, it's commonly referred to as West Bank, which means it's on the west bank of the Jordan River, uh, but it's to the east of Jerusalem. Uh, so confusing when it gets to some of those ideas about uh, geography, particularly if you haven't been there. But give us some impression here, because it is considered to be disputed territory, and yet uh, there are some uh, international legal understandings that really place that land firmly in the hands of Israel. How do you describe that in a nutshell, how the ownership of the land works? Well, if I'm dealing with the, with the legal issues, um, this is, as I said, the middle of Israel. Uh, Jerusalem is actually in the middle of Judea and Samaria, uh, where Judea is to the south of Jerusalem and Samaria is to the north of Jerusalem. Um, but what we're talking about is an area that, going back to the end of World War I, was part of the original Palestine that was promised in its entirety to the Jewish people and promised that this is where Jews could settle. Now, all of the agreements and understandings in countries that came since that original uh, understanding uh, in the San Remo Treaty uh, in the end, at the end of World War I, nothing contradicted that legal statement that said Jews have the right to settle throughout this area known as the West Bank, or, or then nobody knew it as the West Bank. They knew it as part of, of uh, Palestine, the mandate for Palestine. The reason it's called the West Bank is that for a mere 19 years, Jordan illegally occupied this area. And in 1967, Israel was able to return to this area. So when people talk about an illegal occupation, they're just wrong. And, you know, of course, if we had about two hours, I could really go through all the legal technicalities and why they're wrong. But, you know, it is just based on a lot of prejudice, a, a lot of um, desire to, uh, to placate the Arabs, that Israel's claim is so often rejected. And you're not just speaking emotionally here because you are, in fact, yourself a lawyer and really across the legal issues when it comes to where the ownership of the land truly lies. No, absolutely, yes. I, I, I'm not a practicing uh, lawyer today, but I have legal training and I was a practicing lawyer for a number of years. Uh, and it's clear. I mean, we, we're talking about treaties. We're talking about international documents. Um, in fact, here in Australia, I believe uh, one of the prime ministers a few years back uh, said very clearly that while Australia may um, not necessarily support Jewish settlement in Judea and Samaria, she says you cannot call it illegal. She was, I think it was Julia Bishop who said that. I mean, because she also understood that it is not illegal. So it's not illegal. Let's move away from talking about legal things and talk about some of the sentiment that there is for the land because if this is the place where Abraham stood when God promised him the promised lands, the mountains there in Judea, they have really significant strategic importance. Give us some ideas about the geography there and how it really does fit in with the way that God has given the promised land. 
Okay, so first of all, if you're looking at a map of Israel, and I realize we're on the radio, so it's not something I can show, but if you can picture the map of Israel from east to west, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, we're talking about an area of maybe a total of 70 kilometers. That's it. Now, Judea and Samaria itself is about 50 to 55 of those kilometers. We have a situation where the narrowest point of Israel before 1967, when we did not have Judea and Samaria, was only 15 kilometers wide. The area of Judea and Samaria, as you said, this is a mountainous area. Anyone who controls this mountainous central area of Israel controls the entire coastal strip of Israel, which is pre-67 Israel, that 15 kilometers, also controls all approaches from the east, because in the east of Israel, we're talking about uh, a narrow strip, what we call the Jordan Valley, which is 400 meters below sea level. And Judea and Samaria can be as high as 900 meters above sea level. So effectively, Judea and Samaria is a 12 or 1300 meter high rock wall that protects Israel on all sides. So that is very significant because it's got strategic importance for the security of Israel. And so uh, no doubt that's one of the reasons why it's so highly coveted. Let me just move on again to a whole perhaps different perspective here because when we talk about the land, the promised land, promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but one of the things that you do, Sondra, is you like to connect Christians to the people of biblical Israel. How do you go about doing that? And I guess I mean, we're hearing the way you do that because you're explaining very simply what that really means. But, but this is one of the passions of your life to connect Christians to the biblical Israel. Absolutely. And I have to tell you, if you would have asked me 25 years ago if I thought this is what I would be doing, I would probably look at you very oddly. Because my passion has always been for the land and for the people of Israel. And for many years now, I have probably close to 30 years, I have been uh, advocating for uh, Judea and Samaria, actually probably closer to 40 years, you know, advocating for Judea and Samaria um, in every way possible. And it was a very frustrating job doing that when most of the people I was talking to were various liberal audiences, and particularly the press. And then here and there I started encountering Christians. Um, with liberal audiences, I would be able to, I, if I, I had to gingerly mention the Bible, and as soon as you did, you got a frown or a snicker, you know. And then what if I gingerly mentioned the Bible to a Christian audience, they wanted more which is, of course, where my passion is. I love the Bible. The reason I moved to Israel was because I believe God set this pattern out in the Bible. This is what the Jewish people are supposed to do. He's bringing us back home. How can we not just get on that plane and go home? And I suddenly encounter audiences who understand that. Because even though we're of different faiths, we have a great deal in common in our reverence for the Word of God in the Hebrew Scriptures. And so that just turned my life around. And so for the past 21 years, all I've been doing all the time, round the clock, round the year, is reaching out to Christians all over the world and helping them to understand what our realities are like in Judea and Samaria and why we're there and how it connects to the biblical understandings that Christians already have. 
but they don't necessarily understand how their biblical readings connect with what's happening in Israel today. So that is what we're doing, and we also arrange um, visits, tour groups who come to Israel. If they want a Judean, uh, Judea and Samaria experience, they come to us. We have tour groups coming through us uh, at least once or twice a week, all year round. Uh, we have tours going. In fact, we're having our own tour um, coming, led by our own Aussie representative, Joy Halen, going this coming September. Anybody who wants more information about that can see that on our website. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, the kind of thing we think is so vitally important, getting as many people out there to see it for themselves. And in doing so, isn't this something of a fulfillment of prophecy that comes from what we call the Old Testament, what you call the Hebrew Scriptures, this idea of Gentiles coming and being a part of the lives of Jewish settlers and being a part of the harvest, because as I understand it, there's lots of vineyards throughout West Bank, throughout Judea and Samaria. Give us your impression about that fulfillment of a biblical prophecy of Gentiles coming to help. Well, I think that in the end of the day, the, the main there are specific prophecies that talk about Gentiles helping. But I think what's more important is to see the overall picture. God promised that after a period of exile, the nation of Israel would return to the land of Israel. Now, I believe anybody who reads the Bible, whether they're Jew or Christian or anything else for that matter, if they read the Bible, they believe it to be the Word of God, and they take it seriously, how can can anyone stand idly by and just watch this thing being played out? It seems to me that everybody would want to get involved and do what God, be, be part of what God is doing. And that is really what our message is to the Christians. And when you refer to the people who are volunteering in the vineyards, that's my dear friends Tommy and Sherry Waller and their wonderful organization, Hayovel. Uh, there's many different ways that people can get involved. They can come visit with us. They can donate funds to what we're doing. We are actually Christians through Christians through our work through CFOIC Heartland are actually supporting vital humanitarian projects in Judea and Samaria, strengthening the communities and helping the people. Christians who are getting coming and volunteering in the harvest of the vineyards are are taking part in another aspect of fulfillment of prophecy. Everybody can do something. Well, Sandra, just wonderful getting your insights. Certainly clarifies things, gives us a context for what it is to know the promised land, Judea and Samaria, and knowing that it is a disputed territory and called West Bank, your insights just bring that whole issue alive for us. Sandra Osterbaris is Director of the Christian Friends of Israel Communities Heartland. Now, that sounds like a mouthful, but I'll give you a website where you can Connect with Sandra. It's cfoic.com. That's Christian Friends of Israel Communities, cfoic.com. Sandra, just wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your insights with us today on 2020. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.